Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. When God saves someone, He radically transforms the person. He transforms them into a new being so that they truly are a new creation. But in spite of this divine handiwork, there are some core components of a person that He does not change. When a person is saved, they remain a person. They do not become an otherworldly being. When a person is saved, God does not remove their desire. He simply implants new godly desires in their heart. He increases passion for that which is godly. This leave-transform dynamic neatly applies to an individual's personality. When the Holy Spirit transforms someone, God leaves a person's personality largely the same. In other words, God transforms people, not personalities. Different people have different personalities, and there is not a special personality type that all Christians must mimic. Just look at the Bible. God uses all sorts of folks with all different types of characters and temperaments. For example, he uses deliberative have-to-be-sures like Gideon, he uses stand-like-a-rock-on-principles like the Apostle Paul, and he uses charismatic, caring shepherds like David. This is reassuring news from members of Christ's church in that believers are never called to change how they fundamentally interact with others and view the world. We are called to use our personalities in God-glorifying ways. In what follows, I will explain three important applications for how you can best use your distinct personality traits in your Christian service. The first thing I'll talk about is what happens when God saves someone. This touches upon the doctrine of regeneration. Regeneration is synonymous with being born again or getting saved. Titus 3.5 says, God saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is an operative divine work that God accomplishes by Himself. When God regenerates a person, He enables them to respond to Jesus Christ in faith. So, anyone who ever earnestly says, I believe in Jesus, is able to say that because God first regenerated them. God is a spirit, so when God regenerates a person, it is a spiritual transformation. Our spirits were dead, and then they are made alive by the Lord. In Ezekiel 36:26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. By regeneration, our renewed spirit changes who we are because we now operate differently. It's analogous to changing the software on a computer without changing the hardware. The computer is still a computer with a CPU memory and the ability to read inputs like CDs. With new software, what changes is how the computer operates. Now it has a radical new operating system so that the device works radically differently to do different things in different ways. Although the computer thus looks the same on the outside, on the inside it is something totally new. The application for our present discussion is this. Your personality is analogous to a particular piece of hardware. When God saves a person, He does not change the hardware. He simply uses it so that it is directed by a new operating system. So God transforms people, not personalities. 
So how does this relate to everyday Christian experience? There are three applications. One, do not think your personality type is flawed. I am the last person to tell anyone that who they truly are is who they want to be. Biblically, our identity comes from God, therefore we are who God has called us to be. That being said, when it comes to personalities, people are a particular way, and that particular way is not a mistake. The Apostle Paul, for example, was physically violent before he got saved. He was a terrorist and a religious fanatic that went into towns and killed Christians who were living peaceably. Then what happened? One day, the man called Saul met Jesus and got saved. He then became the Apostle Paul. And guess what? The Apostle Paul was still violent. Yet, as a regenerated person, the Apostle Paul was spiritually violent against all forms of false doctrine. His violence was now therefore directed against non-truth. His weapon was a pen, and the Holy Spirit used Paul's distinct persona to gift us with most of the New Testament. In the end, Paul's innate temperament did not change. What did change is that his heart was now regenerated so that he applied himself toward God's purposes. The point is this, do not think your personality type is flawed. If you are naturally exuberant all the time, great. Use that to encourage and exhort your brothers and sisters. If you are naturally not so joyful, great. That means you will know how to fight for joy better than everyone else and communicate that how to others. If you are naturally stubborn, there is nothing inherently wrong with that if you are stubborn for Jesus. Do not think your personality type is flawed. 2. Do not let your personality type limit you. If your identity is defined by a personality type, you may tend to artificially limit yourself. A very broad way people are classified based on personality is to say they are introverts or extroverts. Introverts are inward-focused and extroverts are outward-focused. So, for example, if I were to say, I am an introvert, this is just the way I am, then I am placing a limit on myself as to what I can or cannot do. I say things like, I can do things alone and must always be in quiet, non-crowded environments. I cannot be around people or break out of my shell because I'm just an introvert. Also, when it comes to interacting with others, this worldview can animate hard-heartedness and a refusal to change since this is just how I am. In fact, this type of thinking can justify bad behavior using personality. This type of thinking is almost fatalistic and limits a person before they get started. Do not let your personality type limit you. Does God categorize people as introverts or extroverts? He does not. He primarily is concerned with those who are His and those who are not His and that's it. So if God does not limit people by personality, then neither should we. What I think is the most helpful way to think about personality types is this. There are going to be certain things a person is inclined to be and are subsequently able to do well. There are other things a person is disinclined to be and subsequently able to do not as well. Yet, these inclinations do not make something impossible and therefore a person is both able and capable to do many things. So the introvert is able to mingle with the crowd and the extrovert is able to do it alone. 
Seen in this light, personality type is never limiting, it is merely suggestive. The first two points were do nots. The third point is a do. Three, do maximize your personality type to glorify God. In the end, God is in charge of everything. Your personality type did not catch God by surprise. So with that in mind, do you not think that God graced you with a particular personality type for a reason? When you think about it that way, what becomes immediately clear is that your personality is neither flawed nor does it limit you. It is a gift from the Lord. If we look at scripture verses like Romans 12, 6-8, 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11, James 1, 17, and 1 Peter 4, 10-11, it is clear that God is a gift-giving God. By His grace, God gifts different things to different people in varying degrees. So while it is reasonable to conclude that distinct personality types are ordinary yet individually unique gifts from the Lord, it is unreasonable to conclude that said gifts are designed to be self-edifying. These gifts are supposed to point toward our Maker. The only thing left to do now is figure out how to maximize using those gifts to glorify God and to edify others. So how do you do that? How do you maximize your personality type to glorify God and serve others? Well, it begins with an honest understanding of who God is and what He requires of us. It then means assessing oneself by discerning what your peculiar personality is like and then asking how your unique traits can be poured out into the body of Christ for the glory of God. Here's an example. You may be a very private introvert who would rather open a book alone than start a conversation in public. That's fine. It just means then that you will spend most of your time reading and studying so that you will be able to communicate God's truth to others. That communication may assume more non-personal mediums like through the radio or via writing. Examples of things a person can write are Bible study plans or being the literary voice for a Christian organization. The reverse is also a possibility. You may be a very public extrovert who really does not do so well alone. You just have to be around others and be where the action is. This means, for example, you may enjoy evangelism and missions work and talking to random people on the street. In either of these examples, the emphasis was on doing so that in whatever a person is and then does, they maximize it for God's glory. This way, an introvert does not seclude themselves playing video games in a dark basement, and the extrovert does not spend all their time socializing for the sake of socializing and having fun. Cognizant of what is at stake, both types optimize their time, efforts, and talents with one goal in mind, the glory of God. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.